Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. Happy Thursday. I hope you all are having a fantastic day and have a great week so far. We were with you last on Tuesday, and it was a fantastic show. So much great dialogue, so many things addressed, amazing guests, um, and the show just keeps getting better and better, guys. Don't forget, we're listened to in 23 different countries and on nearly 70 online platforms. And if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit my media site, thenexgenusa.com. And everybody, remember, in the coming weeks, I will be announcing the many notable names that will be doing their own show on the network. So I'm very excited to share that with all of you. Um, we have a lot to get into tonight. There is so much uh, to, uh, to dive into. I want to welcome to the show a uh, businessman, Twitter, Twitter master, activist, and political strategist, uh, Bill Lambert. Bill, how are you? Good evening, Rory. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here, man. Um, also want to welcome to the show founder of Republicans United, founder of College Republicans United, and, and currently the leader of Nationalists United, Kevin Dukeiper. Hi, Rory. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to another great show. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, I believe I have D- – Daryl, do I have you? Hey, you do, brother. I, I didn't hear back from you, so I didn't want to be rude. I, I wanted to at least at least check in here, but uh, good good to hear your voice, brother. Yeah, glad you're here. Um, everybody, 2024 presidential candidate, activist, uh, popular talk show host, and best-selling author, Daryl Kane, everyone. Right on, my man. So, Excited to be here, t- talk for a little bit, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you a little later. God bless. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so guys, I want to I wanna get into um, what, what everybody's been talking about uh, all day today and yesterday with this whole uh, witch hunt in Congress. We have, we have, and in the Senate, I mean, uh, from, the, from the left side, we have Richard Burr on our own party. Richard Burr, I don't know what this guy's reasoning, reasoning is. I don't know what his judgment, I don't know where he, he's getting his information from or, or why his mindset is this certain way, but he subpoenaed Trump Jr. And every single Republican said no. There was not one Republican that agreed with it, except Burr. Why is that, Richard? Richard Burr has, needs to answer a bunch of questions. Who are you working for? Because if you're the only person in, in, in D.C. on the Republican side that is in okay, okay with subpoenaing the, the president's son, we already found there's no collusion. There's no purpose for this. The only thing I can think of why Richard Burr is doing this is because some Democrat is whispering in his back ear he may have some deal on the side. We don't know. We can't put it past any, anything – we can't put anything past these people in Washington. These people in Washington are the dirtiest of all dirty. It's like the mafia up there in, in, in certain ways. It's sick, sick stuff. You know, 
and now we have A.G. Barr getting threatened by, by, by the House. Jerry Nadler won't stop uh, picking on people. It's never good enough for them. It doesn't matter. There's no Russian collusion. But they, they, they're not good enough with that narrative. They're not good enough with the conclusion. They have to keep going. They have to abuse their power, all while covering up a bunch of their crap. I mean, they have so much stuff that needs to be revealed and uh, leaked. I mean, they are the dirtiest of all dirty, these politicians. You, you look at the deep state, how, how the deep state is so um, it's just so in bed with all these different uh, dirty money groups and, and dirty, dirty situations. I have no doubt in my mind, situations like Kavanaugh was set up by the deep state. Situations like, like some of the things Barr had to go through, set up by the deep state. There are people even more powerful than these politicians giving these politicians advice and tell orders and telling them what to do. And look at the mainstream media through this entire process for two years, for two years, the mainstream liberal media has said definitely there is evidence of Russian collusion. How many times did we hear, here comes the smoking gun, here comes the smoking gun, and then liberals are constantly wrong? It's like fantasy land ideology. Like these people want to believe, they believe what they want to hear. They don't believe facts. I've said this many times and I'll say it again. Liberals care more about feelings than facts. They care more about a fake black guy, Barack Hussein Osama, a guy that can speak and blow smoke up everybody's butt, rather than somebody that actually does stuff and gets stuff done. That is the liberal way of thinking. And look at all the lying. Look at all the betrayal. Look at all the politicians on the left that said for so long the collusion is there. We're going to get Trump. We're going to take down everybody. How many times do we hear it's Mueller time? It's Mueller time. And, and the fact, you know, it's just sickening how even after all this, like I said, you still have people questioning the narrative on the left because they know they're sheep are counting on it. They know if they give up on this narrative, a bunch of their voters are going away. Well, a bunch of their voters have gone away, but they're in jeopardy to lose a lot more unless they carry on this narrative, which is why they're doing it. These people in D.C. don't, don't think that collusion actually happened. It's all a script. It's, it's just insane to me. It really is. I want to play what the president uh, said earlier today about um, General Barr being held in contempt of court. Yeah, we have that now. We have people saying they want to put handcuffs on our attorney general, and he hasn't even been in the job three months. He's done a great job, and he was confirmed by a pretty high number because he's been in D.C. for a while, and most people knew who he was. It wasn't like one of the the, the hostile confirmations or anything. And think about this, guys. I just heard the number again today. $40 million spent in two years. $40 million. Wasted taxpayers' money. We lost, and just like President Trump says, he makes the best point. We lost two years of his presidency because of this witch hunt, because of this 
false narrative. Uh, one five, please, clip. Interesting idea, actually, electric trucks. Yes, please. Allow Robert Moore to testify. Well, I'm going to leave that up to our very great Attorney General, and he'll make a decision on that. But I will say this. Look, the Mueller report came out. It was done uh, at, uh, I guess I'm hearing numbers now, close to $40 million, with 17 or 18 very angry Democrats who hated Donald Trump, and also uh, everything that they could possibly have at their disposal. There was nobody that was, in the history of our country, more transparent than me. I said, give them every document, give them every person, let the White House counsel testify. I think he testified for 30 hours. I guess they must have asked him the same question because uh, there wasn't very much to testify about. But I said, let him testify and let him keep it as long as you want. Actually, when I heard 30 hours, I said, that's a long time. But... I let him testify. I didn't have to have presidential privilege. I could have stopped everything. I didn't have to give them a document. I gave them 1.5 million documents. I gave them White House counsel. I gave them other lawyers. Anybody you want, you can talk to. At the end of the testimony, no collusion and essentially no obstruction. Of course, a lot of people say, how can you obstruct when there was no crime, when there was no collusion? How can you possibly obstruct? I'll tell you, but it's worse than that. It's not only was there no crime, but the crime was committed on the other side. So we're protecting against the crime committed on the other side. So after spending all of that money, all of that time, two years, they come up with a report. And Bob Mueller is no friend of mine. I had conflicts with him. We had a business dispute. We had uh, somebody that is in love with James Comey. They liked James Comey. They were very good friends, supposedly best friends. Maybe not, but supposedly best friends. You look at the picture file, and you see hundreds of pictures of him and Comey. And with all of that and other things, uh, he wanted the FBI job. I don't know if anybody knows that, but as you know, he was considered for the FBI job, wanted it. And the day after he didn't get it, he became the special counsel. That's a conflict. And we had other things. But that, those are tremendous conflicts. Listen to this. Your judge, call him a judge, is, has a business dispute with me. Your judge has a fantastic relationship with James Comey. Well, he's a part of this. He lied to Congress. He leaked. He's a liar, a leaker. And your judge has a situation where he wanted to become the FBI director. We chose Director Ray instead and told him, I'm sorry. That's, those are tremendous conflicts. Those are tremendous conflicts. And then he puts on his staff almost all Democrats, many of whom contributed to Hillary Clinton. None of them contributed to me, that I can tell you. And it started out at 13 and went to 18. And these were angry Democrats. These were people that went to her, in one case, went to her. It was supposed to be a party. It turned out to be a funeral on election evening and was going wild. He was so angry. And this man now is judging me. You had other people made big contributions to Hillary Clinton's campaign. They were angry Democrats in, I think, almost all cases. One of the people worked on the Clinton Foundation as just about the top person at the Clinton Foundation. With all of this, they came back, no collusion. There's 
there's nobody in this room, including you, if they were – that's you, John. If we looked at you with $40 million, 18 angry people that hated you, and all of the other things I mentioned, they'll find something. I don't know. Maybe John not. Go ahead. Finish it. Mr. is also friends with Mr. Barr. And as you're aware, Mr. Barr told lawmakers that he didn't have a problem with Mr. With Mr. Mueller testifying. I'm going to leave that up to uh, the Attorney General as to whether or not – I think, to me, it looks like a redo. Here's what's happened. The report comes back. It's perfect. It's beautiful. There's no collusion. Nobody even talks about collusion. You know, I haven't heard the word Russia in a long time. There's no more talk about Russia. What happened to Russia? The Russian witch hunt, uh, they don't talk because it was so on collusion, which, by the way, is by far, that's the big deal, because it was all about Russia. So I haven't heard the word Russia. They don't use the word Russia anymore. So there's no crime. There never was a crime. It was a hoax. It was a witch hunt. So this comes back, and it comes back totally exonerating Donald Trump, and a lot of other people. This was a terrible thing that happened to our country. Now, I'll tell you what they are asking. They are asking about how did this whole thing start. That's what people want to know. And I want to tell you, I had a, an event last night. A lot of you were there. Thousands and thousands of people standing in a field. They've never seen anything like it, meaning even the press. But it's always that way. We've never had an empty seat. Thousands of people last night. You know what they want to know? How did this whole thing start? It's going to be hard for them to answer that one. Yeah, please. Are you satisfied with the advice you received from John Bolton? Yeah, John's very good. John is a uh, – he has strong views on things, but that's okay. I actually tempered John, which is pretty amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody thought that was going to – I'm the one that tempers him, but that's okay. I have different sides. I mean, I have John Bolton, and I have other people that are a little more dovish than him. And ultimately, I make the decision. No, I, I get – I like John. I get very good advice from John. John? Uh, Mr. President, as you saw, the Senate Intelligence Committee has subpoenaed Don Jr. That's the Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee. What do you make of that? Well, I was very surprised. I saw Richard Burr saying there was no collusion two or three weeks ago. He went outside, and somebody asked him, no, there's no collusion. We found no collusion. But I was very surprised to see my son. My son's a very good person works very hard. The last thing he needs is Washington, D.C. He could rather not ever be involved. Remember, he said to me a long time ago when I was thinking about running dead, if I could help, let me know. It's not my expertise. It's not something I really like, but whatever I can do, you're my father, whatever I can do. He's now testified for 20 hours or something, a massive amount of time. The Mueller report came out. That's the Bible. The Mueller report came out, and they said he did nothing wrong. The only thing is, it's oppo research. If he did wrong, then everybody standing with me probably, except for John and Lamar. I think Lamar is pretty. I'll tell you, did you ever do oppo research on an opponent? I don't think so, Lamar. Right? <laughs> and I know John Barrasso never did opposition research because he's a fine, fine man, but I would say 99% of the rest of the folks. So they didn't – but they, what they didn't discuss is this woman that came in, who I watched her on the Today Show, when it all started. Oh, I'm just an innocent – well, nobody even knows, although the halls of Congress know her very well, because for years she's walked around all over Congress. She came in, 
And she left, supposedly, GPS Fusion, goes and meets for a short period of time with my son and some other people. They talked about a subject as very well, you know, advertised and put out, nothing. It was a nothing meeting. In fact, Jared left. He said, get me out of this meeting. This is a waste of time. She then went back to GPS Fusion. They were the ones that wrote the phony dossier. Why was she going to GPS Fusion? Why did she go back? Then I heard that Don, for a year, made three phone calls with an unmarked number. They called it unmarked. And this was a tremendous event because they all knew the fake news. They all know you were fair on that, Johnny. But they all knew that these phone calls, these, these tremendous phone calls, before the meeting and after the meeting, there were, I believe, three, right? They all knew that it had to be to his father. Unmarked, it's perfect. So he reported about the meeting and then reported what happened at the meeting. Except after looking and spending a tremendous amount of time and money, they were able to go back years and find out who made the calls. One was a local real estate developer. The other was a great person from NASCAR. He took two of them and a friend of Don's. This went on for a year and a half. John, you heard all about the phone calls to obviously the father where I knew I never knew about the meeting. But the phone calls to the father turned out not to be the phone calls. My son is a good person. My son testified for hours and hours. My son was totally exonerated by Mueller, who frankly does not like Donald Trump, me, this Donald Trump. And frankly for my son, after being exonerated, to now get a subpoena to go again and speak again after close to 20 hours of telling everybody that would listen about a nothing meeting. I mean, I will, I will say, guys, you know, this is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you know, this is the epitome of a witch hunt. I mean, the, the, the fact that the left can get away with this, uh, you know, is absolutely beyond disgraceful. Um, Bill, I want to get your thoughts. Go ahead. Well, I think they're, they're, they have to have something on her. I mean, that just is, you know, I really see this as the last grass of a of a kind of a, a dying, wounded animal, and, and they're very dangerous when when that becomes the case. But you have, like John Solomon reported on on memos that that came out of the State Department about about Steele and the dossier, and then you had Comey on television today, and it and it trapped Comey in a lie because Solomon today has confirmed through the State Department that these memos are real. And what it was was derogatory information on Steele himself. He had lied to the State Department. He had provided them with false information through the State Department. He had a political deadline in order to, when he was pushing this, this dossier. He wasn't only pushing it with the FBI, but he was pushing it with, with the State Department. And he had went to the State Department, which goes out of the guidelines because he had been working with the FBI before that. So there's no interdepartmental movement of, of their their uh, assets. So these memos were sent to the FBI a couple weeks before the FISA memo. 
so this is what what Comey had to testify to in front of the FISA judge was is there is no derogatory information about Steele when, in fact, the State Department themselves had provided all the – oh, and another thing was is that Steele had been leaking information to the New York Times and the Washington Post. That was another one of the – in that memo from the State Department to the FBI saying this is not a credible person. This is somebody that has lied, leaking information, breaking these rules, um, and all these things. And they got them before the FISA warrant was ever signed by a judge. And Rosenstein, um, McCabe, or McCabe, all those guys, Comey, all of them had to sign off and testify in front of this judge that, that Steele is a stellar guy and there's nothing derogatory about him and none of these things. And so the, the wheels are falling off. And, and you're going to see, because it's so, so vast, and, and like you're talking about the deep state, and everybody has their own kind of whatever that means, but the, there is an inner body in there within the bureaucracy of these agencies that are aligned with this liberal left Clintonites or Comeyites or whatever you want to call them that are working in, in, in to counter and to try to harm the president of the United States and in doing so harm the, the republic. And there are so many of them, though, that are going to get caught up in this because that they're, they're too small. It's like drug, you know, cops going to drug, you know, they, take, they bust the guy on the corner and say, look, you can either go home or you can tell me where you got, you know, who your supplier is. And they go to him and say, you, you know, you can either get six months probation or you can tell me who your supplier is. And they work the chain. And that's what's going to happen here. And it, you're going to have people like Kerry, and you're going to have because he was in the State Department during this time. And you're going to have people yeah. like Clinton. He's still and, Logan and, and, Absolutely. John not only with not only with the Logan Act, with the whole dossier part of this Russian the Logan Act's a, a whole separate deal. And Trump's making some noise now about it, which means that to me, when Trump does that, it means somebody's looking into it, and he's just telling you that. He's just telling you in a way that, you know, you, you've had conversations like that where you want to pass off, you know, this is what's really going to happen. But, but you say it in a way that, that, that's not like, oh, I'm going to do this to you. So in the next six weeks, I think, you know, especially when Huber's report comes out, I think you're going to see a, a lot of the dynamic, the political dynamic, the, the mentality of a bigger majority of the public's change, and I think you're going to see a lot of these people that we've been talking about really start to come to face the, the fact that they're, they have real ramifications coming to them, and it may even lead up into Congress, like, you know, Schiff for Brains and, and Nadler and, and Waters, and, you know, it, it's, like I said, they have all these under, underlings, and these underlings are not going to bite the bullet for them. It's just not how human nature is, and it's not how it's going to work. Yeah, yeah, very, very well said. Uh, I do want to welcome. I got, I got a bunch of people to get to, and forgive me. I'm, I'm getting. I promise you, I'm moving fast. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show uh, activist, political strategist, and congressional candidate for New York's 22nd district, Franklin Sager. Franklin, you're, uh, you're favored to win in your area. 
um, most likely. I mean, that that's the word on the street. So, you know, you see what Congress is doing with this whole witch hunt collusion thing. How would you react to this if you were an elected official in D.C. at this point? Well, I really like the fact that uh, Lindsey Graham decided to go right to the Supreme Court and to write a letter to Judge Roberts in order to do some investigation right away. Uh, I think that this needs to go from the top, and we really need to examine this whole idea of the FISA court. And uh, the, the processes, if they work well, uh, make sense. The problem is that uh, it's it sort of trust that uh, people are the better angels that are running that system. And unfortunately, we've mm-hmm. seen that there's the ability of the deep state to get involved and you know, insert itself within that and to corrupt that process. And you know, when we said – uh, years ago, when when Trump was first running, we kept saying "drain the swamp, drain the swamp." But I don't think sometimes we realize just how uh, tedious of a job that is, and how difficult it was going to be because there are a lot of people lurking behind the under the waters there that really don't want things to get exposed on both sides. Uh, in fairness, but uh, we see that the left. This is this is one of those ideas. Your previous caller said they're like a wounded animal, and that's true. You see, this boomerang effect is going to come around against them. And they're doing anything they can to sort of shift the narrative away from them and to keep it off them. Uh, but I think we're, it's starting to reach critical mass, and I, I agree. I think in the next four to six weeks you're going to see a lot of things come out uh, as uh, the attorney general's uh, investigation uh, into some of the things that happened and how the whole uh, witch hunt began in the first place start to come out. And uh, people are going to start running for the – it's kind of like when you turn the lights on and watch the roaches run. I, I think you're really going to see this as the last dying effort of the left, and, and they're going to be on the run soon. Well, yeah, very, very well said. No, I, I hear you. Absolutely. Um, I do also want to welcome to the show lawyer, lobbyist, political consultant, and president of Frontiers for Freedom, George Landry. George, how are you? Doing great, Rory. It's great to be with you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, I, I do want to ask you, you know, as a lawyer, you know, and you're, you're very heavily involved in D.C., and you know, you know the system very well. How, how do you view this entire thing with the, the the Democrats abusing their power, you know, going after the phony narrative of collusion still, you know, Richard Burr subpoenaing uh, Don Jr., and that, that's the only Republican who agreed with it. I mean, he's the only person that thought it was a good idea to subpoena the president's son. I, I just don't get everybody's minds. I mean, the, the, the everything that's going on, I mean, it's just crazy. Oh, you're right about that. It's crazy. Um, you know, it's funny. The law is not really good training for observing what's going on here because this is very much what I would call extra legal. It's not really a legal process. This is a political process. Um, and um, it masquerades as legal, but it's really not. Uh, this is just um, – I mean the standard here is at some point uh, when you've had a two-year investigation and, and millions of dollars and, and – scores of attorneys and FBI agents uh, working feverishly around the clock on this issue, and they come up with nothing. Uh, that's so far below probable cause. I mean, that means there's zip. And uh, so at this point, it's time for them to go on. But they're all convinced that there's something out there somewhere. And um, at some point, this is, a, this is a mental health issue, actually, more than a legal issue. And unfortunately, because I'm not a mental health uh, uh, professional, I'm probably not able to help these people, but um, but you know it's 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 the craziest thing I've ever seen. I, I do think that uh, Richard Burr um, has signed his political uh, death warrant. I mean his 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 career as a 
uh, public servant as an elected official is, is officially over. It's been signed and dated. Uh, it'll be carried out at some future date, but he, he will, uh, mark my words, he will not serve um, beyond whatever term this is. That, that's it. He's done. He's, and and he's George, a lunatic. George, I'll tell you this. These sort of things make me think that somebody is in Burr's back pocket. There's some dirty special interest or somebody behind closed doors, maybe involved with the deep state, gets involved with these people because we see how dirty politicians are. I mean, what, what, right. what are we supposed to think when he's the only Republican that's advocating for the president's son to be subpoenaed? Yeah, if this had happened a year or two ago, he could make a good faith argument that he's just trying to investigate and do his job, and he doesn't want to stand in the way, and he feels like the nation needs a bipartisan effort, blah, blah, blah. But after the uh, two years of the Mueller investigation, he can't make those arguments, basically. He's just basically being an idiot, and and quite frankly, um, he's he, it's well beyond a jerk. I mean, it's uh, he's a lowlife. I, I don't understand this. This is – this is over the top, and the only reason why the press isn't upset about it is because it's Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. The truth of the matter is, is if this were, you know, Bill Clinton's, uh, you know, daughter, or if this were either of, you know, President Obama's daughters, um, they'd all be going absolutely bonkers, and they would be absolutely, they'd be calling for these uh, members of Congress to be censured, probably to be removed, to be expelled. Uh, you know, it would go. On. I mean, they would be absolutely, um, they'd be going nuts. But uh, but ever here, it's just like yeah, yawn, whatever. And uh, like I said, it's this is not a legal proceeding. This is um, this is a mental health breakdown. There needs to be intervention. And just look at all the lying and all the betrayal and, and this huge witch hunt that's been going on for two years. And look at all the cover-ups. Look at the deep state. Look at all the abuses of power. Forty million spent, uh, you know, and the media is really bad. I mean, the, the media is the, and the politicians were the ones leading people on on the left, saying that there was definite Russian collusion. I mean, it, we like Trump says we lost two years of his presidency. Yeah, um, I mean, not only did he lose two years of his presidency, but the you know the American public, many of them have been misled, and to this day. Um, if you ask them, they, they, they think that uh, there's a sizable percentage of the Democratic Party that believes uh, not in uh, the Easter Bunny or in the Tooth Fairy, but in fact they believe that uh, Donald Trump was, uh, is some sort of traitor. Um, it's absurd. A, a huge disservice is done to the country. And to be perfectly honest, this is exactly what Putin wanted. Putin, by yep. engaging the activities that he did – wasn't trying to help someone get elected. He was trying to sow the seeds of discord in the United States. And boy, did he get it in spades because the Democrats have played with that game and, and really given him far more than – I used to say that the, uh, you know, the, the terrorist al-Qaeda, when they ran the, uh, the, the planes into the, the Twin Towers, that they, they didn't necessarily know the towers were going to come down – and for them, that was like, you know, they felt like they'd hit pay dirt. It was, the, you know, the, their biggest event of their life. Well, for Putin, he has to be saying to himself, I can't believe it. Uh, you know, this is better than I ever dreamed of. I've got uh, half the American public thinking their president's, uh, you know, a crook and, uh, and, and a traitor. 
and, uh, and, and I, you know, I mean, he, he would have spent a hundred billion dollars if he had it to do this. And he did it with a few bots and, and you know, you know what I mean? So, so I would argue that the people who are treasonous here are the people who are giving the uh, Mr. President Putin what he wanted, which is discord, a divided country. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show um, author of The Worst President in History, The Legacy of Barack Obama, and The Scandalous Presidency of Barack Obama, Matt Margolis. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely, man. What are your thoughts on – I know you've been following it closely, this whole uh, – uh, this situation with the collusion hoax. Now you have A.G. Barr getting subpoenaed. You have uh, – well, no, yeah, he's getting contempt of court. You have Donald Trump Jr. who's getting subpoenaed, and you have all these different uh, abuses of power. I I know you follow this closely. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, uh, I think we all know that this this has nothing to do with what does the Mueller report say that that, that the last 2% that they haven't seen uh, is covering up because of the redactions. You know, it's not it's not about that. They're just trying to keep this issue alive because that's all they have. They 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 basically put all their chips on Russian collusion and lie. And they're trying to pretend that somehow uh, that they that, that they that they didn't lose that uh, that they can that they can still get, gain mileage out of this. And uh, it's it's really getting kind of tiresome. Uh, I'm sure and you know you know everyone that's listening right now is pretty tired of it. And, and really, we just want you know, Democrats would say, all right, fine. We lost in 2016. We're over it. Let's start doing the business of the country. But they haven't said that. They're not going to. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, from, from polls that I've seen, it's quite clear that, you know, the American people, they don't want to impeach Donald Trump. They don't want to impeach uh, William Barr. Uh, they're tired of this. They, 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 they want to move on. The Mueller report came out. There was nothing there. Let's move on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Mike Peters in New York. Go ahead. Mike Peters. Sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm here. Um, Go ahead. I think it's. I think it's hysterical to tell you the truth, gentlemen. It's not just the collusion. They're losing on all fronts. Uh, did you see what happened in Colorado with the vigil? That was very interesting because it shows that even the youth, these high school students, people are even sta- they're standing up to the Democrats now and the politicians. They've recognized that there's a political agenda and that there's propaganda that's in play, and they don't trust them anymore. That did yep. you, uh, Rory? Did you see the articles on that? What happened in Colorado? Oh there's yeah, there's a video showing we're showing, we're gonna showing into, we're gonna get into all that. the people walking we're gonna out. Get into yeah, for sure. No, yeah, yeah it's crazy. So. But, but this shows people are tired of it. They can recognize it now. They're not buying the story, the propaganda anymore. They're not listening to the Democrats. They don't respect them anymore because they understand they've been lied to enough. So they're losing ground on all fronts. So. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. Panelists. Uh, yeah, well said, my great panelists. And uh, I got to say, I've had very low expectations as to how far – these uh, Democrats will go in order to uh, stoop to such a low level. And to see uh, a prominent Republican do the same kind of uh, antics is absolutely disheartening. 
and especially considering one that's the chairman of the uh, Committee on Intelligence, that's such a influential and powerful uh, committee that's able to subpoena people and have such a heavy hand in this entire uh, theatrics that we call the uh, the Russian collusion story. And uh, as was said before, it's been just how they put all their eggs in this basket and hoping to find some little bitty shred of evidence that maybe there was some collusion with Russia. And since they have been completely unable to find any collusion whatsoever, they just have to keep digging, keep digging. You know, before you had to, to lie, that's how we had people like, uh, I mean, supposedly lie. That's how people like Roger Stone got his subpoena. But it's gotten to such a point where you don't even need to lie. You just need to not be not be found guilty. So you could still have subpoenas against you, like what's going on with Don Jr. And it really is disheartening that so many of our elected officials feel absolute impunity, that they feel like they could do whatever they want. Uh, someone like Richard Burr, for example, uh, this man is still looking for re-election in 2022. That's the end of his term in the, in the Senate. Um, so it's it's uh, ridiculous, I believe, that he thinks that he could get re-election. But at the same time, if you look at the statistics of what uh, Congress members, uh, their re-election results, uh, so the incumbents, as of 2016, you have uh, 97% of House members that were seeking re-election had won. And they're extremely similar uh, percentages as you go down through the, the recent years. It shows how if you're an incumbent, you're very extremely likely going to be able to win because of all of your, your influence and, and power in government. And I feel like that's exactly happening. We had in um, just at the first two years of Trump's presidency, uh, the Republicans had uh, considered to control the House the Senate, obviously the executive branch, and the Supreme Court. We had control, except it didn't seem that way. We didn't get anything done necessarily, especially with all this uh, Russian collusion mess that uh, had infringed on our ability to really get to the the real matters. And so with each election, it seems like we're going to be losing House members, because that's typically what happens. House members uh, of the majority party are, are losing during um, the presidency of the majority party. So I think it's absolutely ridiculous how, um, if you guys remember, uh, John Ernest, who was Obama's uh, press secretary, and he would give his weekly uh, speeches and how every single thing, I mean, virtually everything he would say is a, a complete lie, a complete hoax. Uh, the media eats it up, sends it out every morning says uh, this is a fact and if you present uh, opposing facts this is uh, you know oh you listen to Fox News that's not even a real news source they just uh, completely discredit actual facts and at this point even when we have control of all these uh, all these branches we still have traitors like Richard Burr um, and of course other traitors like you have the, the John McCain's and the, the Murkowski's and the Jeff Blake's and uh, the list goes on so even though that we have control I don't, we don't really have control. And so I agree with everything that's been said, except for the fact that I don't know if uh, this political machine is really a wounded animal because they're just so confidently executing all these different orders against our, our president and our people, and they don't seem to be very fearful of their political career. So I really hope that we see something out of 
our our president and our, especially our people get out and vote and uh, f- fix this terrible terrible uh, hoax that we have of a government. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let me let me go to Daryl. Daryl, I know you've got some thoughts. Go ahead, Daryl. Night, I opened. Yeah, so the other night I opened when we were talking about Hunter Biden and. And it's exactly what I what I was saying is, you know, I, I don't want to go after Biden's other son. You know, I mean, I, politics aside, you know, the, the loss of his son, the loss of his wife, that family has been through enough. And I'd like to be gentlemanly about things and, you know, not go after them. But 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 here we have it the next day. We're talking about Don Jr., who is, in my opinion, the prince of the Trump family being subpoenaed. And and it just it just gets to a certain point where it's like I mean they're just begging us to smack them, uh, and and to echo Kevin's point and you know some of the guests earlier talked about how they expect people in Congress to to be facing consequences and I, I you know I hope they're right and and I'm not I'm not pushing back on on what they're saying but but uh, but I'm I'm not as hopeful as they are. But, you know, in a, in a common sense based reality, yes, that's what would happen. These Democrats that are behind this would be facing real consequences. But in a in a normal reality, we wouldn't have spent the last two years investigating Donald Trump after he won the election. We would have spent two years investigating Hillary Clinton. And uh, the, the dynamic in place right now, and, and I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't blame Trump. I think he's doing everything that he can in these regards. I don't think that he's allowing his son to be subjected to this nonsense. But what this really speaks to is the overwhelming power that the left has, that the deep state has, that even when we win, and we talk about this is where the idea of this becoming a banana republic becomes very scary, because this is what we're facing when we win. So what do we face when they lose? You know, I, I was looking at some Elizabeth Warren tweets today, and she had tweeted that her DOJ is going to apply the full full muscle that they have on what they refer to as white nationalists. So what is a white nationalist? A white nationalist uh, is is anybody that dares to push back on the left's strategy of white replacement and the political bullying and, and persecution of white Europeans in their own nation. And – so by that definition, probably 90% of the people on this very program would have the DOJ uh, digging through their dirty laundry. So what we're looking at with what Trump is facing, and I, this isn't hyperbole. This is not hyperbole. The, the, the things that will be unleashed upon anybody in this country that is daring to push back on what is happening to it uh, when we don't have a Republican or a Trump administration, it's, it's, it's frankly horrifying. The, the academies, the universities, and you know the social media stuff, what we're seeing on this, this is a precursor to how they would govern, right? Yeah, so, oh yeah. so when they have – and I talked about this. I talked about this a few nights ago. When they have the, the standard of sexual assault being that a man has to demonstrate you know, a signed document of consent for being intimate with his girlfriend, this isn't just something that's happening on the campus. This is, this is what they want for the country. You know, and anybody that has any any reality about what happens in domestic violence and all of these things, and again, these are the things that the Joe Bidens of the world have actively championed. That's why, to me, if I'm being honest, I'm not particularly bothered when I see him giving somebody a hug, but he's created this climate. He's directly contributed to it. 
So he has to be held accountable for it. And what we see on Facebook with the censoring of conservatives, what is censoring? What does the silencing of conservatives look like when we're looking at that coming from a political administration that's running the country? What does that look like? And we know that leftist judges do not uphold the law. They are activists by nature because their entire lifestyle and their reality is rebellious-based. Right? They, they're not capable of discerning and rendering judgment because their entire reality is, is designed to be 180 degrees from that. So this is what we're looking at with the Trump administration. This could very literally be what people on this very panel are dealing with in three, four years should we lose the election in 2020. So uh, those are going to be my comments for the evening. I wish you guys a lovely night, and uh, thanks again yeah. for having me on, Rory. I look forward to, to touching base with all you guys on Monday evening. All right, sounds good. We are going to take a commercial, and we will be right back, everybody. Stay tuned. Where can you find a burger inspired by flavors from near and far that mixes the smoky with the sass of the South? Combines the sweetness of summer with the tang of the country. For savory, sizzling, unexpected flavors. Well, you can find it at McDonald's. The new Bacon Smokehouse Burger. It's the newest flavor of the signature crafted recipes by McDonald's. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back. The Rory Sodder Show, worldwide, coast to coast, listened to in 23 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Everybody, if you missed any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our media site, dnexgenusa.com. And remember... In the coming weeks, we will be having many notable people doing their own shows on my network, and I will be announcing details uh, in the coming, in the coming, probably next week. I'll be announcing uh, much detail about it, and I'm excited to share it all with you. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show um, Islam historian, activist, nine-time 
international award-winning journalist, television producer, and best-selling author, Christine Douglas-Williams. Christine, how are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well. Great to have you back. Um, obviously, I know you were listening and you had some thoughts. What What are your thoughts about this whole entire um, situation with the Russian hoax? Oh, I, my issue is more when it comes to Islam, but I will tell you about about the Russians. I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, you've been discussing it for a little while now, and it's very clear that we see the Dems out to get Donald Trump. There's absolutely nothing that backs them up and so forth. But I, I listened to you, and a point that you made about the Russians and where they stand and they, they're possibly anti-Trump, it's very difficult to know where the Russians actually stand because I'll tell you from a personal experience. Now, Sputnik News Agency is a Russian news agency, and they've interviewed me several times, and it's rather interesting because the interviews that they asked me to do, one had to do with the um, with Prime Minister um, Justin um, Trudeau, who was making this great debacle when it comes to immigration and what effect that might have when it comes to the upcoming election. Another one was about banning the burqa, and another one was about the, the Trump wall. And in none of those interviews was I um, pro-Democrat in any shape or form. I was openly Republican, and from the point of view of Canada, openly conservative, and they published my comments as is. So I, I'm wondering, I'm not sure where the Russians actually stand in the middle of all this. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I, I do want to, I want to get into a, a bunch of different things. I, uh, I do have real quick, uh, Clint, Clint, are you on the line? Yes, I've been on for about 45 minutes. Okay, I I know you 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 have thoughts on this before we move on. Uh, go ahead. Well, I I you know you've had some great commentary from five or six different people. You do a <clears throat> an absolutely wonderful job of assembling a lot of uh, intellectual firepower, and uh, I'm not going to try to um, uh, add too much to uh, the tactical comments of what's been going on and the subpoena of Donald Trump Jr. Uh, that shouldn't surprise anybody, really. I'm, I'd be surprised if they hadn't done it. Adam Schiff, the pencil neck, and uh, Jerry Nadler, Mr. Fat Man. Uh, I call him Fat Man a little boy, okay? Um, they, uh, they're just helping to carry out the uh, what has become now the strategy. It used to be called uh, Rules for Radicals when Obama and Hillary Clinton were trying to institute it in their eight years in the Oval Office, and they successfully did do that. Uh, it has yeah. now become the playbook for the Democratic Party. They're all on top of it. It has nothing to do with truth. It has nothing to do with law. It has nothing to do with the Constitution. It has nothing to do with what's right for the country. Uh, right. What it has done, though, is uh, Mr. Trump has accomplished an amazing uh, uh, number of things for somebody who is carrying this huge uh, burden uh, of these absolute losers on his back they have no concern about the country they are only concerned about one thing and that is political power they know they're not going to get trump out of office but they're trying to weaken him in my view anyway uh so that he is uh, defeatable in 2020 and right now i can't think of anybody who's even you know playing in the same game if this is the belmont stakes uh, trump is secretary and he wins it by 43 lengths Okay, that's that's my my take at this point. I don't want to I don't want to be too overconfident, 
but they've got to find a way to drag him down. And the Mueller report was, as somebody earlier said, um, uh, their game plan. But I think they're smart enough that they had a, a plan B, and that is just to continue with congressional investigations of everything for the next two years. And so the question becomes, will that strategy play out to their favor? Or will, as somebody else said, the American people are getting pretty tired of it. And I think somewhere around 48 to 51 percent of the American people are getting pretty tired of it. And probably about 45 percent are either too stupid or, you know, a, a, a valedictorian of, a, of an Ivy League school uh, was asked mm-hmm. after the graduation ceremony, what did you think of the Mueller report? His comment was, uh, who's Mueller? Okay. Uh, so, so, I mean that gives you an idea of where people's heads are. All right. And we assume that everybody's as excited and passionate and concerned and up to date as we are. The truth of the matter is there's an awful lot of Americans who really are are just part of the problem through their apathy and their ignorance. You know, as my ex-wife said, you're, uh, you know, you're ignorant and stupid. And I said, I don't know. And I don't care, you know, and and I mean, it's kind of the same kind of thing. So, the big somebody mentioned Burr. He needs to be blown out of there. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> McConnell should go with him. Okay, it's it's these are these are guys. These are people uh, of both sexes actually who in the Republican Party who uh, they're so timid and so concerned about their own political future that they won't step out. They should have been helping Donald Trump for the last two years, and they should have been speaking truth to lies and they all sat there primarily silent i can anybody on the on this panel tell me who they thought in the united states senate or congress really spoke up to defend donald trump in the last two years i i'm i'm at a loss to tell you who that person would have been but i if somebody's got a, if somebody can offer i got uh, you know, well, i got i got give, i got people on, when it when the, the recording's going the broadcast i don't i leave people on mute until they're until they're talking because it just there's too much noise Go ahead. That's I, 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 it's, uh, you do a great job, Rory, and uh, um, and and uh, you're like a traffic cop at the intersection of uh, truth here, and um, you know, uh, and I've heard a lot of it spoken in the last 45 minutes. So uh, again, great job, and uh, look forward to the rest of the conversation. Thank you, Clint. Thank you, Clint. Uh, Chris, Christine, I wanna, I wanna get into. Uh, the whole the whole border thing. I mean, we have, you know, too many people think that when people come illegally from the southern border, that it's just people from places like Mexico and Guatemala and places like that that want a better life. What people don't, what not enough people understand or talk about is the fact that you have a lot of these terrorists from the Middle East that are coming through these loopholes and that are, they're getting in through, through those ports of entry. And it's like the fact that that's not getting addressed enough that we have, you know, people with Al Qaeda, people with ISIS, that ideology coming into this country unvetted. And, you know, it was just released that illegal, they released 7.4 thousand illegal aliens into the, they did it into the U S in six days. And they release over a thousand every day because of overflow. And these are people from everywhere. But I've read so many stories with 
with gun shootings and terrorist attacks where there are people in the country illegally. Absolutely. And and one even wonders, um, if anybody understands anything about Islamic supremacism, what the goals are in terms of jihad for 1,400 years, it's all about conquest. Mm-hmm. When we look at yeah. groups like the Islamic State, for example, when those borders were open wide to so-called help the refugees coming in from areas of Syria, Iraq, and North Africa, ISIS made it very clear that they intended to infiltrate those borders, and they have. There is nothing keeping them out of wide-open borders. And one wonders, why is it that anyone would think differently? They have made it very clear, groups like the Islamic State, groups – in fact, the Muslim Brotherhood has also made it very clear – Islam, Mm -hmm. on a normative level of what Islam is, has made it very clear that the religion is based on viewing the world in two camps, believers and non-believers. The world is described as Dar al-Harb, Dar al-Islam. Dar al-Harb is the house of war, Dar al-Islam is the house of Islam, and the house of war must be subjugated under the house of Islam. So in terms of wide open borders, there's another kind of a jihad called jihad by immigration, the hijra. So why would anybody imagine that wide open borders would not escort in an agenda? It makes absolutely no sense. We're talking about the southern border, but there's also the northern border in Canada. And we have a free-flowing system where people are coming into the states. They're coming into Canada from the states. They're coming in through the south. They're just, there are wide-open borders everywhere. We look at even countries like Trinidad, which is a small island, now regarded as the largest recruitment for ISIS in the Western Hemisphere. They're now having a problem with wide open borders when it comes to Venezuela. Hezbollah is in Venezuela. Hezbollah is now in Trinidad. ISIS is in Trinidad. There's a free flowing of the worst kind of immigrants that that, that have infiltrated the refugee stream. This is not to say remotely that all immigrants are interested in jihad, or, or, or breaking the law for that matter. But the problem is that we are providing an open border situation which escorts them in if they have any kind of objective to do so. And the objectives of jihadists have been very clear. It is basically open season on the West, and we're not fighting it good yeah. enough. Donald Trump is actually a big hope in terms of his philosophies when it comes to managing his borders. And I'll tell you this, you know, I'm seeing every single day almost hundreds of people getting apprehended at the border each day coming in from different sectors. There's videos all over social media, constant updates, certain news organizations and certain grassroots companies go out there and, and film these entire situations, and it, it's mind-blowing how we've let this get so out of control. And, you know, this, this goes back to Bush, Clinton. It's been so many years of building up w- with this immigration crisis, but now it's the worst it's ever been. I mean, I, people are down there, lawyers are down there giving advice to uh, people coming across illegally, trying to help them stay in the country. I I can't even believe what we're seeing. We're basically seeing what's going on in these other countries where so many of these foreigners have invaded their countries to the the point where 
they're more they're more of the majority than their own people in, in that country. Am I correct? Well, well, absolutely, and and we're focused more. When I say we, I'm talking about the United States. It's focused more on the southern border, but we, but America has not considered the northern border enough. Now, following yeah. Trump's executive yeah. order, when he decided to temporarily ban travelers from the seven countries of concern, which were Muslim, mostly Muslim, yeah. our prime minister here in Canada, Justin Trudeau, he immediately tweeted out a welcome to all refugees. He actually said to those fleeing persecution, terror, and war, Canada welcomes you regardless of your faith. Diversity mm-hmm. is your strength. And he ended up with a hashtag, welcome to Canada. But the problem is the four or five countries of origin of refugee arrivals in Canada in 2016 were Syria, Eritrea, Iraq, Congo, Afghanistan, and their plans for more. Now, the problem is that the U.S.-Canada border, according to stats, is almost four thousand miles long now if you want to add that to that the alaska canada border which is which is over 1500 miles long by way of comparison the u.s mexican border is only uh, is just under 2000 so the canadian u.s border is much longer and given the kind of a prime minister that we have here in canada he's letting any and everything in uh, that offers a, that poses a threat very much to the united states as well let alone the southern border because of course jihadists are coming through the southern border. There has been research done on it. How many? It's very difficult to know because you have multitudes of people pouring in, and, and we just simply don't know among those which ones are jihadists, which ones are not, which ones may be Hezbollah, which ones may be trafficking drugs and, and using the money earned to, to, um, to fund jihad. That is another combination that has risen over the years. The jihad... Organized Crime Alliance. This is something that has grown. It's proliferated. So America is facing threats from its northern border and from its southern border. And while we know what happened in Europe, I mean, that is a catastrophe what happened there. The last thing we need is that on our continent. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just the madness. I mean, this this is just madness. And the fact that they're releasing so many illegals daily because they can't fit them all. Uh, it's this is just it's insanity. It really is, um, and it's one of those things where it really needs to be controlled. Otherwise, we're in a lot of trouble. Uh, George, you're a but the lawyer, problem is people do don't you, know how to control it. Absolutely, yeah, it's insane. Uh, George, you're a lawyer. How would you deal with this situation? Well, <clears throat> one, I think I'd just try to enforce the law. I mean, we have a bunch of judges that are completely lawless. Um, basically, um, they forum shop, they'll find some crazy judge somewhere. Sometimes it's in the Ninth Circus. Sometimes it's in, uh, you know, a different circuit. But, but, but bottom line is, um, we now live in a world in which a president can exercise uh, constitutional and legislative authorities that he has, and then they just find a judge and say, oh, yeah, you can't do that. Oh, yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I'm a judge, so you can't do that. I, this is, you know... People can say all they want. I mean, I know that some, I think it was, you know, people, scholars have said it's not right for the president to talk about, you know, this judge or that judge and all that. And it's like, I'm sorry, it's not his fault. (laughs) You know, I mean, I I too wish it weren't necessary to talk about judges this way. I wish judges were the, you know, blind arbiters of the law and, uh, and were rational and reasonable, and it wouldn't matter who appointed you. But the fact is, that's how it works now. This is, you have one party that is absolutely committed 
to appointing judges who will make up the law and will just you know ad lib however they can to uh, to promote liberal causes. And then you have another party that says, well, no, we're going to actually. Uh, you know, this thing we know. When we say conservative judges, we don't mean we want judges that will promote our policies. We actually just want judges who will, will interpret the Constitution the way it's written. I don't want judges of any sort making policy. I, I, that's something that Congress should do. That's something the president should do. Judges should just – but we're so far past that now that um, yeah, I, I – you know, like I, I sometimes have said that the, the, the Senate should sit down and find the ten most offensive federal judges, and and then and and then impeach them for violating their oath of office to uphold the Constitution. And every year, just take the ten most offensive ones. They did that for two or three years in a row, and they'd stop the shenanigans because most of these guys couldn't get a job somewhere else. They're obviously losers, so you know they'd stop. But right now, they, when we talk about judicial independence. For the liberals, what that means is they get to do whatever they want with no accountability. When we talk right. about judicial independence, we mean that they shouldn't be swayed by public opinion when deciding what the Constitution says. Yeah, yeah very well said. Matt, Matt, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I totally agree. Um, uh, I, I'm kind of tired of the fact that, like, uh, have you noticed uh, I've been seeing a lot of posts about, uh, you know, uh, this kind of celebrity status of Ruth Bader Ginsburg that she's been experiencing uh, because she's, you know, because she's a woman, because she's a diehard liberal and she's become this icon of the left. Why is any Supreme Court justice an icon for any ideology whatsoever? It shouldn't be that way. And uh, I mean, and her in particular, I mean, you know, she she's had some of the most bizarre, radical views uh, that you could you could expect from a Supreme Court justice. And and she's celebrated not because she she cares about the Constitution, but because she's an advocate for an ideology. And uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's absolutely true. We're way beyond the point of of, of judicial independence being like a thing anymore because. Nobody seems to really want that. Uh, I mean, certainly the left doesn't. I mean, they, they go on and on. And, I mean, you know, we hear both sides kind of talking the same talking points when it's their turn to, to question uh, a, a judge or, or a potential justice uh, from the opposite side. And they all think they're the one, or, or they all claim to be the ones that are fighting on behalf of the Constitution, but they're not. Uh, and, uh, you know, like, like Justice Kavanaugh, you know, he hasn't always – Ruled a way, a way that I would like politically, but you know, I I, I think he's shown that, that he's a fairly independent justice. Uh, but you know, I mean, one thing that that we've learned over the years is that there's way too many five to four decisions in the Supreme Court. It shouldn't be like that. The, I, I mean, the fact that there's so many uh, you know split decisions tells you how political the the, the courts have become, and uh, that, that that's wrong. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, Bill, Bill, go ahead. Bill in Texas. Yeah, well, it, it's like she was saying, Hezbollah is in Venezuela. And when you have a guy like Maduro, he will allow terrorist camps to, to because they pay. And they and yep. they, they, 
people know the answer for, for Islam in the United States. They just don't want to face that. And the reality is, is there is no compromise. There is no, no peaceful coexistence. It hasn't been that way in 1,400 years. Not going to stop now because we're the United States. And if that's what they, – they have a multiple-pronged attack. It, you, you have, you have a, what, a billion six, I think, uh, that are Muslims. Ten percent of them will identify themselves as jihadists. Another 30 percent of those identify themselves as extreme or radical. The, the other portion, all the way down to one percent, but the other portion will, will go along with the flow of the rest of the Muslims. Because they, that ideology and, and those doctrines in there don't allow for anything else. She's exactly right. You're either a Muslim or you're not. And if you're not, you have no future, really. Now, you, you know, they yeah. have these tenets of you can pay some tax. But you're, you're an infidel, and you're going to die. Or you're going to be a slave, and then you're going to die. So it, and when... They have. You can guarantee you there are ISIS fighters in the United States right now that came through. That, that's been a, a Muslim population has been a growing thing in Central and South America for the last 30 or 40 years. It's it's not like as affluent as it is here because of the culture is there, but it is still there, and that's what people in America won't face. And I don't know how you face that on a constitutional basis either. Because of, of its, they identify it as a religion, but it, you know it has a political arm. They have, there's political jihad, and there's you know civil jihad, and you see you see these Muslims out in the streets praying, and they're all kneeling and all that, or in an airport or anything. You have to understand what they're doing. They're taking over a section to show domination, and they're doing that by by numbers to intimidate. Because that's part of that ideology too. So if if we don't secure this border, you you, you had a hundred. It don't matter. You, you had, in March you had one hundred nine thousand people cross the border into America from the southern border. In in April you had one hundred seven thousand. That's a quarter of a million people. Now you, how many? What you need ten? How many was there for nine eleven? Nineteen dudes. So and you've been having this go on month after month after month after month. So that's the that's the real. You can forget about the economics. You can forget about all the all the the different things because if we don't combat this in 20 years, the United States is either going to be gone or we're going to be inside of, of almost a, a a type of a, a holy war because the, you'll see it happen in Europe first because they're more advanced in letting them take over their countries and you're letting over in Canada. You're having a buildup of a population that will flow over that border when the shit hits the fan, and uh, it, it's going to be uh, – and unless people get their mind around how you're going to deal with this because there is no peaceful coexistence. There is no such thing as a moderate Muslim, and there's only a handful of reformist Muslims. Mm -hmm. No, no, I, I hear you. I, I absolutely hear you. Um, what I what I want to what I want to ask Christine is. Um, and I have to get to everybody. We have a little people to get to, but Christina, is it fair to say that a lot of these shootings have um, been influenced? I mean, even, even if these people that do these shootings are not directly 
associated with ISIS. Don't you think a lot of this radical Islamic terrorism has influenced the, the, some of these various school shootings and some of these various, uh, you know, horrible situations? I, I mean, there's so much evil in, in the world. I mean, because we look at all of a sudden. I mean, in the last 10, ten years, I'd say, school shootings started becoming more common. But before that, it wasn't it wasn't like it, it barely ever happened so it just seems like ever since the the some of the terrorist stuff after 9/11 happened with al-qaeda and then you have isis who was formed years later there's all these different ideology that people sadly uh copy and there are people that just copy it that aren't even directly involved am i correct I'm, I'm very careful. Um, I'm certainly not politically correct, and, that, and that's the reason why I got kicked out of the Canadian government as an appointee. Uh, my, yeah. my second book is Fired by the Government of Canada for Criticizing Islam. Multicultural Canada yeah. is basically the premise was that it's, um, it, 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 it's encouraging Islamization, and this was published by the Center for Security Policy. It, now, with that said... I look at I look at this whole scenario and it's almost like somebody getting influence from playing a, a dangerous video game like Grand Theft Auto or watching a Tarantino movie. You know, that's it seems like that kind of stuff is almost the same as, as what ISIS does to people and people copy this stuff like they're in a movie, you know? There will always there will always be copycats out there. I I, yeah. I don't as a matter of course put blame on anyone unless there's evidence. Now, to right. the point when it comes to Islam, there, there are two points that we need to remember here. According to various research, and it comes up again and again and again, some, yeah. what, 10%, they say, of Muslims in the world, 1.7 billion, are radical? Wow. Well, 10% of that is an awful lot when you put it down to numbers. It's an awful lot. Mm -hmm. And in that yes. number, we're not considering stealth jihadists. We're not considering those voices that may be going to radicalize mosques. Now, yeah. Peter King, King did an investigation of radicalization in 2011 when it comes to mosques and the spread of radicalization, and he found that some 80% of mosques were radicalized. Some people tried to ridicule him. But when you look at it, it makes sense because a lot of mosques, are funded by Saudi Arabia. What does Saudi Arabia teach? It teaches Wahhabism, Salafi ideology. In fact, it's the same Hanbali form of Islam, Sunni Islam, that is carried by ISIS. It is a very dangerous form, and it is the worst form of Islam. Now, when it comes to Saudi Arabia as a state, they're far more sophisticated looking, but what they actually purport is something dangerous. Now, I realize now that we're, we're actually talking about a lot of phenomena all in one, but going back to your point about the world changing since 9-11. Yes, the world has definitely changed since 9-11. Do I blame Muslims for the school shootings? If it was a Muslim that was involved, I certainly do. I find it appalling that when a Muslim is found to do some kind of a shooting or some kind of a jihad attack, it is often covered up for some hours. When it finally trickles out there that people were witnesses and heard the guy shout, Allahu Akbar, then all of a sudden it comes out again in the media. Well, they're looking at mental illness as a possibility. I don't deny that certain jihadists do have mental illness. However, right. that is a problem that the West has not reckoned with. 
The problem here when you look at Islamic supremacism and when you look at normative Islam is that it rewards mental illness, if you want to translate that to the West. If I am a person, let's say, or anybody for that matter, that's suffering with mental illness, that has thoughts of suicide, that has thoughts of murder, and some jihadist comes along and say, well, look, I can turn your ailment into something positive. You could become a jihadist, and you could be rewarded in paradise with 72 virgins, and you can be a martyr and a hero. In our culture, mental illness is to be treated. It is something negative in the sense of needing treatment, regardless of what that diagnosis may be. That's why it's called mental illness. Now, you take a person with mental illness, and you say, look, this is something good. I could use it. I could turn you into jihadist. All of a sudden, that person has a jihadist impulse, and it's deemed to be something positive. So we cannot completely deny that mental illness sometimes is at work, and we could treat mental illness. But how do you treat treat an ideology that rewards violence. I mean, it came out in the news today that one of the London Bridge attackers, imagine this, after stabbing and killing eight people, what does he do? He takes that knife and wipes it on his beard. That is disgusting. That, that to any Westerner will be deemed as not only gross and macabre and despicable, it is deemed to be something just outside any normal realms of thinking. But from the point of view of radical Islam, it is seen as something good because the beard mimics in their thinking, it's in the, the hadiths that the beard is something that was applauded, that was um, put forth by Muhammad. It was seen as something good. Growing the beard long was something that was required. So it's seen as a mimicking of Muhammad. And for those with the jihadist impulse that go out there to commit these, I mean, if you look at Salafis, they have a specific kind of a beard. And that is deemed to be part and parcel, the whole image of what they do. So here we have it. Jihadists unleashed in society. We now live in an era where there's been family breakdown, so we're looking at a lot of phenomena here. We're looking at family breakdown, we're looking at mental illness, which is through the roof in terms of stats, introduce the jihadist ideology, you've got a big mess on your hands. And unfortunately, this is what the West is facing. It's facing a lot of different negative variables that are very hard to determine what is what. But when somebody out there starts shouting Allahu Akbar and they're out there murdering people and quoting the Quran, then they should be treated as a jihadist and they should not be let up on being treated as an enemy of the state, even though they may be in need of treatment when it comes to mental illness. From the point of view of blaming Muslims for what's going on in society, I would stay away from that unless a jihadist is discovered to be definitely a jihadist in terms of, let's say, a school shooting. If somebody else comes along and does a school shooting because they happen to be mentally ill and they open fire, we can't blame the chaos in society all on Muslims. Yes, it has injected chaos, but it cannot be blamed entirely for what we're seeing and the maladies that we're seeing in our societies today. Well, what I, what I was getting at is uh, I, think, I think you might have misunderstood what I said. I, I believe that when people – it's just like watching a movie. It's just like watching – or something crazy, you know, something with gore. I, I think there's people that see ISIS do these sort of things, and I think it inspires them, whether they're directly connected with the terrorist organization is one thing, but that, that doesn't mean they don't have some of the, the thoughts of doing what they do. Am I right? Do, do, do you know what I'm trying yes. to say? Does yes. make a point? I, I would agree with that because, okay, first of all, 
like we glorify. had a problem. Yes, it, it does. It glorifies murder, and and that's an issue we have in society. We already had a problem when it came to what, what we saw in terms of social breakdown in society and school shootings, even before nine eleven. But now that right. our youth are exposed to that level of violence. People are going, youngsters are going to the Internet, watching Islamic State videos. So I, I cannot yeah. refute that angle that we have a new level of violence that has been injected into yeah. society that is frightening. Mm -hmm. And speaking of which, and because um, one of you also mentioned about um, jihadists in our midst, which we started to talk about. CSIS yeah. in Canada, that is our equivalent of the CIA, CSIS in Canada, determined that we have jihadists, an undetermined number on the loose. They're not being prosecuted because, frankly, nobody knows what to do with them. It, it's costly. They came right out and said it's costly to prosecute these people. It's very difficult to try to figure out and track what crimes they committed abroad. The bottom line is we need to tighten up the borders, and we need to refuse any ISIL fighters back into the country, including their wives and their children, we do not need them in Western countries. They're indoctrinated to kill people in the name of Islam and to hate the Westerners in the name of Islam, and they're highly dangerous, and we should not be looking after their best interests over the well-being of our innocent citizens in Western countries. Yeah, very, very, very well said. Uh, Frank, Franklin, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just – it's amazing to me that uh, after, you know, you continue to hear all the things and all the threats that we have in the world, that there are so many on the left that are willing to have open borders, uh, simply to allow people to walk into our southern border and, and to not prosecute them, to, to not have the means to turn them around, to not have the political will to build a wall. I mean, to me, these are just common-sense ideas. If, if I was somebody who wanted to go into a country and, and do harm, either politically or, or violently, it, I mean, it makes sense to me that you look for the most vulnerable point. And, and we have our own elected officials in Congress that stand up and, and sort of glorify the idea that, you know, we shouldn't have borders, that we really uh, – we're making a big deal out of nothing, that somehow the president has created an artificial emergency. This is all nonsense. I mean, anybody who pays any attention at all knows that we have an emergency on our southern border. They understand that we have people pouring in, and it only makes sense that while, sure, there are people who are, are economic migrants that are just looking for a better life, that, that's the clear, easy access point and the softest place to go in and infiltrate our country if you want to do harm. And uh, there's not only are there are those who would violently do harm, but remember, there's a big, big arm of the of the Muslim world that wants to uh, destroy Israel. And, and so now we have uh, uh, Congress people who have been elected to office who continually want to mm -hmm. say anti-Semitic things that want to undermine the state of Israel, undermine the United States' relationship with Israel. And uh, mm -hmm. these are the kinds of things that are very dangerous and, and they are, ch are changing geopolitically the, the way we see the world every day. Yeah, you know, and, and it really scares me, this third world ideology that we're we're dealing with nothing to really joke about it's, it's terrifying uh mike peters in new york go ahead all right well one thing i wanted to get back to that i i disagree with one comment that was made that we'll see the first moves made in the in europe um i don't think so i think that if it ever came down to it and it became a real problem and it ever took to the streets i think we'd see a re reaction here in the united states because you could remember we're not the majority of us are not 
as held down, as controlled, as passive as as the Europeans are. I mean, they've been, uh, they don't have gun control. They have more gun control than what we have. We're not, we're a different mindset over here. And if it ever came down to it, God forbid, I wouldn't want to see it. But if it ever took to the streets, it wouldn't go well for them. You saw what happened right after 9-11. Down in Texas, I remember it was on the news. They were dragging uh, taxi drivers out of their cars and beating them in the streets. Unfortunately, these poor people were Sikhs. They weren't even Muslims. But they saw the turban, and that was it. It was like, you know, uh, boys, somebody get the rope. I mean, that was it. You know, yeehaw, get the rope. The mentality was there. And they're not going to put up with it. Now, that wouldn't happen over in Copenhagen. Let's discuss it, sit down, and we'll have coffee. No, it, that that's not how we work here. So, you know, if they think they're getting away with something, no, people up in, in New York, you know, we've got camps like Islamburg. If you ever want to go to the uh, Internet and look up that town in, in New York, Islamburg, New York. And I'm sure that that place is being watched. We probably have drones over it. The FBI is probably all over it. So, yes, it exists, just as you were saying, up in, uh, up in Canada. They, they have camps, and they do training over here. But I'm sure they're being watched carefully. And they just had a big bust recently over, I think, last year, where they got the guy with illegal weapons and ammunition and everything else in the vehicle. And they mentioned <laughs> the arrest and everything, and then all of a sudden, that information disappeared. They're careful about what they want uh, because they don't want to incite because they know that people are out there with that attitude, yeehaw, get the rope, and we will. It's very, yeah, it's very true. It's very true. Uh, Clint, Clint, go ahead. Well, I was just in Copenhagen recently. I think the attitudes over there have changed a great deal. FYI, uh, the Danes have finally uh, ascertained that they have uh, – They've been so open-minded, their brains have fallen out on the Strugget, uh near the Little Mermaid. And uh, they and the Swedes have both tightened uh, their parameters. The problem is uh, the birth rates in those countries are so sky-high, they're almost 8 to 1 over European-based indigenous peoples that we know that uh, we need, I don't know statistically, we need a little over 2.1 uh, children per couple in order to maintain a certain level of, of uh, population stability uh, in, in a particular country. We don't have that in any of the European countries today. And I'm talking about Germany, France, Italy, uh, of course, the UK, the low countries and Scandinavia. Uh, the, ironically, people that have been held down and have been under the thumb of totalitarianism have been the ones that have fought back against it. I'm very proud of the Hungarian uh, leadership for what it has done. Um, I lived in Hungary for five years, and uh, uh, they've had enough of being pushed around by whoever the enemy du jour is. This is the most difficult task the United States has ever faced, as one of your earlier guests, the, 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 uh, the author from Canada, who was apparently kicked out of the Canadian government, was talking about there's so many dynamics working against the West uh, that there, you know, it's synergy. It's one plus one plus one equals four or five, not three. And uh, you know, I, I agree with uh, the other observation that if you're <laughs> don't mess with Texas, okay. I just I, I just wish we had fifty Texases instead of uh, sure. some Californias and Washington states and Hawaii's and uh, 
some of these other Massachusetts and Connecticut, these other, you know, Starbucks drinking, uh, blue-eyed quarterback hating uh, uh, idiots. Boy, boy. Um, you know, you know, it, it, the, the bottom line on it. And by the way, I want to run Howard Schultz's campaign in 2020. <laughs> I used to run campaigns in California. I want him to get seven percent of the vote uh, across the country. Uh, which will guarantee President Trump's reelection, but this is all part of uh, it's part of a bigger movement. It's part of a, and they've all bought into it now. And they don't, as as I said earlier, uh, they don't care about truth. Uh, they don't care about facts. They don't care about law. It's all it's a gang mentality. It's it's not that far removed from barbarianism. And when you've got after this Mueller investigation comes back, you've got Mafia. the Speaker of the House coming out and, and making the inane comments that this lunatic makes, uh, she really needs to be looked at. Uh, we were talking about institutionalization earlier. I don't know what the standards are, but you know, lock her up as far as I'm concerned. The problem is that there's so many of them now that uh, uh, you know we have a group of people in this country by the millions that don't see the threat, don't want to see the threat, have their head in the sand, can't believe it because they've never experienced it in their lifetime. They're all post-World War II babies, and they haven't seen – they saw Vietnam. Uh, they saw how tough that was, but that's been a long time ago now, too. That's been 50 years ago. They don't know that they're going to have to fight or die, uh, and the first people, the, the, the Islamic extremism uh, groups are going to come after are likely going to be liberals. Um, like Nancy Pelosi, you want to? You want? I I heard a statistic the other day that just blew me away, uh, and it talks about how far apart our middle class and our elite uh, economic classes have become, and how you get rich in this country versus the way you used to. Mm -hmm. uh, Chelsea Clinton, anybody want to take a wild yeah. shot at what her net worth is at age thirty? Fifty million. She is a. She has multiple millions. It, uh, she has 15 million on paper and a bunch of offshore assets. She's following very carefully after mom and dad. Uh, did you anybody hear what Michelle Obama had to say the other day about who owns this country? She said the immigrants uh -huh. and the Islamic fundamentalists own this country. This is a former first lady of the United States. Nobody. Uh -huh. well, a lot of people rise first up lady, on Facebook and. That's a dude, yeah, man. That's yeah. a dude. Well, the linebacker in the she, NFL. I heard she's dating uh, Bruce Jenner now. Uh, so it's <laughs> if, anyway, but but uh, that's and I, I'm just being I'm being farcical, and I don't mean to be too uh, out of line, uh, Rory. But it's time now for action. This is what <laughs> I've been saying. We've been talking about this stuff for years. Okay, you can go back 20 years. Uh, this is coming on, and it's going to reach what Malcolm Gladwell will call a tipping point. And when it reaches that, it'll be too late. And we're not that far away from it in this country right now when we allow people from Minnesota and New York who are complete nincompoops to get up and crap <laughs> all over the Constitution and the rights of Americans and the, and the millions of men and women who have given their life for this country in various ways. And we just we, – we don't appreciate those sacrifices. We have – we've taken this free speech thing on their end to the point where they can say anything, 
and yet Zuckerberg and Dorsey and whoever's running YouTube is heavily censoring those social media sites. The whole thing is just absurd. Uh, that's my take, yeah. and uh, I fear it may be too late already. I'm yeah. I mean, I I have that fear as well. Ke- Kevin, Kevin, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. Well, back to the, the video games. I think that uh, the video games have uh, they're as violent now as they always have been. Of course, it desensitizes people and makes them more prone to violence, but I don't think that's the main factor. Uh, I mean, you had Grand Theft Auto around, which allowed you to pretty much do any level of degeneracy, uh, sex, random acts of violence. Um, but it really comes down to, I would say, the, the demographics that are taking place in America, the, the ideology that's fomenting in America, and especially what uh, these criminals are able to get away with nowadays. I mean, we all know about how toxic, how violent, and how extremist this radical Islamic agenda really is. Uh, so I don't hold it against these people as much as I do hold it against the people within in our own government that are not only bringing them into our country, but also letting them off the hook and uh, basically protecting them. And there's no better example of this of uh, than the time in uh, last August, if you remember last summer in August, there was a extremist compound of Islamic terrorism in New Mexico. And there were uh, five adults and 11 uh, children. They were being trained to carry out school shootings and is- Islamic acts of violence. And they'd even, uh, when they were discovered, um, they had uh, found a three-year-old dead boy in, that was killed through a, a ritual, um, essentially a, a sacrifice, a ritual uh, act of violence against him. And how it resulted is you had these federal prosecutors uh, came in, they took pictures, and then it was bulldozed within the, the next day, the whole compound, evidence absolutely destroyed. Um, I mean, that's someone within our own government that is making these calls in order to hide a lot of this evidence. And if you saw what had happened as a result of that, you had one district judge that let three of the five uh, guilty adults uh, free of all charges. And then you had a, another district judge that let all five of them out on bail. Um, it was only until March that we had federal prosecutors uh, charge these adults again for their hand in orchestrating this, uh, act of terrorism, and then you have these defense attorneys. One in particular said the quote, um, they would not be charged of these crimes if they were not Muslim. And I would say that is exactly backwards of, of what's going on. We, we have right now the biggest, um, I would say, uh, witch hunt against what we call white nationalists, white nationalists being anyone that's believes in de- protecting our country or, or immigration, uh, believes in just the sovereignty of our, our country, and mm-hmm. they're being charged for and uh, basically scapegoated all over. And we have now actual Islamic terrorist compounds that are getting off the hook, pleading not guilty, being protected by judges and federal prosecutors. 
And uh, I would say that it's, it's really these people within the government that is really causing the most harm on our country, um, more mm-hmm. so than the actual terrorists that you know are going by their, their hadith, their extremist uh, books. Yeah, no, Kevin, uh, Kevin, very well said. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, makes makes total sense. Uh, Christine, I, I do, I do uh, have another thing to ask you before you go. Um, we do have about a minute left with, with you. I, I do want to ask. Mike Pompeo uh, was visiting I was visiting Iraq this past week, and uh, you know there's there was some threats going against the U.S. Uh, in the Middle East. Um, come, I, I believe it's coming from Iran. But what what do you know about this, and what do you think we're getting into over there? I mean, it, it, we're putting troops over over there again. Uh, there's going to be some stuff that goes on. Uh, I do, I do have some have some concerns, and I'm sure many do as well. But what do, what are your thoughts? Do you think there's going to be a war with Iran? Well, there seems to be a lot of mystery what's going on right now. But we do know that Iran is heating up. They're they're making no bones about building up um, nuclear weapons. I mean, it's it's um, it's in the open now. In fact. Netanyahu came out and said openly that nuclear weapons have been found. Iran is desperate right now. Sanctions against Iran is crippled. They're crippling that country economically. It's a country that's full of pride. It's also a country that believes in ushering in the Mahdi, the last imam. And so yeah. it, it's an apocalyptic kind of a country. This is very worrying. When you are when you back a country like that into a corner, they have nothing to lose. They're in a position right now where they're ready to pounce. They've made it clear these days, in the last few days, they've made it clear that they intend to get serious with Israel to attack Israel. We don't know what form that's going to happen because Iran has a lot of proxies. Once upon a time, and this is one of the actual, this is one of the uh, the disagreements with the Iraq War, because Iraq was um, kind of a, a stand-in to control Iran. When we see Pompeo visiting Iraq, and we see negotiations going on there with America and Iraq, with Iran, there seems to be an attempt going on to try to control Iran and try to earn some kind of an alliance with various um, groups and forces in the Middle East that could work against Iran. Take, for example, what's going on in Saudi Arabia, and that's probably the best indicator. It's no secret what Saudi Arabia is. It's funding jihad internationally. Yet at the same time, Donald Trump has been working closely with Saudi Arabia. Many people ask, well, why would he work with that country? It's because we're faced with a horrible problem in the Middle East when it comes to forces like Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey fighting for regional hegemony. The worst right now is Iran. That is the biggest problem right now. So when we see delegations going down to the Middle East, negotiating with Iraq, Iraq actually is kind of a mixed bag right now because we see there that they have been prosecuting ISIL fighters. In fact, a judge came out in Iraq and said, look, I recommend that you don't take these um, ISIS fighters back into your countries because they're cold-blooded murderers. Let us deal with them. They should be killed. So we're seeing a mixed bag down in Iraq. So my impression of, of the visit there is to kind of shore up support 
from 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 the Iraqis when it comes to dealing with a force like Iran because we're really at the at the crossroads here. We're dealing with two major forces. People call them globalists, but really what they are is hardcore Marxists. Now, if you look historically, when um, em- different empires fell, the rise of Nazism. Chaos is always created. We have a hatred right now against Judeo-Christian democracy that is coming from two camps, Marxists and Islamic supremacists. The mission is to break down Judeo-Christian democracies, dismantle them. And we try to say, well, why would um, Marxists and Islamic supremacists be together? What's with that alliance? One of you said openly that they're going to turn on each other, that there's no way that Islamic supremacists are going to tolerate um, the far left. And that's very true. But right now they're an alliance of convenience. So we're, we have a major problem here. But I want to finish up because I know it's coming to an end on a positive note, on an actual positive note. Yeah, about, tw- there about 20 no, seconds and i got to go to commercial. Okay, I'll finish this in 20 seconds. There's no respect for the American voters who voted in Donald Trump. And he is leading the charge here when it comes to Judeo-Christian democracy. He has formed friendships with the Visegrad group, which is Hungary, Poland, the Czech Republic, and Slovakia, and, the, and also Austria is coming into there, and we're seeing the rise of a populist movement bigger and bigger in France. So I have not given up hope, because it is a real war camp with Marxists and Islamic supremacists against Judeo-Christian democracy, and I believe what one of you said, there's going to be, at worst, civil war if they intend to try to subjugate America. I don't believe Americans are willing to go there, and they're not going to take the sitting down. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. Please tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, Jihad Watch. Just look for my name, Christine Douglas Williams, on Jihad Watch, because I'm writing there basically every day. And people can connect with you on And my book, The Challenge of Modernizing media, right? Islam, every bookstore. Perfect. Um, yeah, and people can connect with you on social media, right? I stay away from social media. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so, Christine, we'll have you back soon. Facebook, so however, you can find me there. Again. All Thank right. you. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. We'll be right back, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaceSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey, I tried the patch, they didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people add changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse harder blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. 
Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. And we are back. The Rory Sodder Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 23 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you missed any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our new media site, thenexgenusa.com. And remember, in the coming weeks, we will be having many notable people that will be doing their own show on the network, and I will be announcing details uh, in the coming weeks, which I'm very excited uh, to share with all of you. A lot, a lot of good stuff planned. Um, I want to I wanna get into thing, things that are just off the wall. You know, we had the New York Times uh, come out with a story the other day that basically twisted – what really happened with Trump's financial situation from, I believe it was mid-80s to early 90s, over a 10-year time frame. And they failed to mention so many different things. It was the biggest fake news hit job uh, you can think of. I mean, they they failed to specify how the, the real estate, uh, the New York real estate crash, everybody knows how bad that was. You know, and, and they also... Uh, delivered information that Trump shared years ago. Like nothing that they delivered or put out was anything of a bombshell unless you were a liberal and a leftist and, and didn't know that he revealed most of this information earlier on. I mean, President Trump even revealed his billion-dollar tax write-off on The Apprentice 15 years ago. So and that's another thing that you know people are trying to – make certain big deals of. I mean, so many people are jealous of this guy. He came to Washington. He became president. All these other politicians have to sometimes, you know, fight their entire life until they can become president. This guy made it look easy. Trump made it look easy. There's so many different things that are going on right now. And you have the media teaming up with these politicians and doing these hit pieces sometimes, and you have just these these terrible, terrible uh, people behind closed doors that are maliciously after our president. 
and I find it fascinating that you know these these media outlets fail to recognize or admit that you know Trump uh, pro- took his money, profited, and just like any business and just like anybody, he ran into some issues. Not per- not personal finances, but some of his companies. They're making it sound like him. Him, he, you know, he can't do anything right. He's the problem. He's an idiot. No, that's not the case. I mean, this it's getting it's getting ridiculous. They they want to keep calling him a con man. The reason he won't show his tax returns is because we know why. They're very complicated. Not that he did anything wrong. He, he did what any other businessman would do with their taxes. And you know, there's certain loopholes, which is fine. But there's nothing that, that is illegal on there, but we know if the Dems get a hold of them, we know what's going to happen. They're going to pick the smallest thing and make a huge deal out of it, or they're going to twist something. They know how to spin. That's what they do. You know, it, it's, it, it's disgraceful. Um, George, I want to go to you. George, go ahead. Well, you know, it's interesting. The um... – the New York Times at one point nicknamed him the comeback kid, which would suggest yeah. that um, some of his businesses had had a reversal. This is public knowledge. So to me, they're yeah. basically um, releasing information like newsflash. You know, we landed on the moon and, um, yep. <clears throat> you know, uh, it's just I, I kind of scratch my, you know, also newsflash. Roger Maris hit 61 home runs in, in 19, what was it, 59 or 60? You know, I mean. It's like, guys, come on, this is not news. You're pretending it's news. And, um, and, then the, and because they pretend it's news, they can pretend as if it is some sort of, um, you know, big revelation. Um, so, I mean, it's just, again, disingenuous. And you're exactly right. The, the tax return stuff, early on, I remember thinking that it might be smart when he's running for president just to get them to shut up and release his tax returns and be done with it. But um, at this point, if he releases his tax returns, I'd have to say he's a moron because yeah. you're exactly right. All they're going to do – well, remember when the Clintons released theirs and they were taking, like, deductions for $10, $15 for used underwear? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for each, for each pair. So it's yeah. like um, the press didn't care about that. You know, it was not a big deal. They were not interested. They like, yeah, whatever. Um, but I guarantee you – that um, that there will not be anything that uh, that Trump could do that they won't they won't have a conniption fit over. So I mean, there's no reason for him to play into that and to basically yeah. give them that satisfaction. He'd be stupid to do it. Um, we we don't live in a world in which people will be reasonable or fair anymore. That the time when when we used to I mean, first of all, he's already fi- filed all the financial disclosures, which are quite exhaustive. That, that are right. required for anyone in, for running for federal government. And, and that's yep. fine. But he doesn't have to give us – you know, there's no reason why he should be handing out bullets to his enemies so they can load their guns and shoot them at him. Yeah, you're, you're, abs- you're absolutely right. Um, George, we do have a few minutes left just in case I don't get back to you. Tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. Um, my uh, Frontiers of Freedom is my organization. That's just FF. Dot org, ff.org. Um, and then you can find, follow me uh, on Twitter at um, 
at G Landreth, L-A-N-D-R-I-T-H, G Landreth. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Fra- Franklin, go ahead. Your thoughts. Well, first of all, I, I agree with your previous caller. That would be crazy to release the tax returns. Uh, as you know, what my background and my one of my areas of expertise is in accounting and, and taxation. And the average person, to say that the, the average person wants to look at the president's tax returns is li- ludicrous. The average person wouldn't understand uh, the, the, all the nuances that have to do with with corporate taxes and, and those kinds of things. Uh, but right here in New York State, obviously, is is they're leading the fight. The liberals in our New York State Senate have recently passed a bill, uh, which would basically allow and authorize the uh, uh, New York State Department uh, Director of Taxation to release his New York State income tax returns uh, to the authorities in the Congress and uh, the Financial Services Committee that, of course, Maxine Waters chairs. And can you just, again, you, th- you talk about uh, the deep state and all that we, you know, we started out talking about everything that uh, the president's going to go through with uh, this Russian hoax and the witch hunt. Can you just imagine uh, the, the Democrats are salivating with the idea of, of having hearing after hearing, month after month for the next year uh, on, on tax returns? And so uh, I think the president should fight this every bit of the way. I think that this is a political stunt in New York to try to, to release these state income taxes to get around it. And uh, ultimately, that's what's going on is that they absolutely hate the fact that the president got elected. And uh, even though it was a legitimate election, they wanted to absolutely undermine him and weaken him for the reelection bid. And uh, the reason that I, one of the one of the re- biggest reasons that led me to, to run for Congress was the idea that uh, the president needs a congressman who will stand up and uh, say no to this foolishness. And uh, if I'm elected to Congress, I can promise you the president will have no greater ally in Congress than Franklin Sager. Uh, thank you again for having me on the show tonight, Rory. And uh, anyone can find out more information at SagerForAmerica.org. I look I look forward to you winning this thing, man. You're the favorite. I'm excited for you. Thanks a lot, Rory. You have a great evening. You too. Mike Peters in New York. Go ahead. You know, it's been said before, but uh, I'd I'd like to just echo what many people are thinking, that fine, if you want his, I think I'd like to see the uh, financial statements for everybody in Congress going back 10 years as well. Amen. Amen. We'll find a lot more on these politicians than you'll ever find on Trump. So let's not just look at him. Let's look at our whole political system. And you want to set an example? Stand up. I want to see you next time with all your paperwork in hand. And then come ask me for his. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's well, what that's I feel about it. Uh, yeah, Bill, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think, it's, I think it's twofold. One, they want, to, they want to do, like you said, and attack him over whatever they can figure out, like depreciation and, and you know, you, you – <clears throat> but it, it's also to attack the people he's associated with. So I mean, oh, Mueller yeah. was kind of a preview of what they would do to these people. So they they wanted they want to do that more. It, it, the, they're pissed at him because he shunned them. He said, "I'm not one of you, and I don't want to be one of you. I'm one of these people. I'm an American, and I'm with these people." And and I think for a while, all the politicians were like, "Well, that's what you say to the public." But when he became president, he kept saying, no, I'm, I don't want to be one of you. I'm not one of you. I'm one of them, so, and I'm your enemy because you're the, you're the swamp, and I'm not. And so th- th- you, you have a dying democratic, liberal, deep state 
swamp, whatever you want to call it, type entity that that and he's the most powerful guy around. And and now he's brought a guy in like Barr who can't be intimidated, who's not going to do anything that isn't beyond the law. Even if Trump wanted him to do it, Barr wouldn't do it, and he wouldn't cover right. anything up. He doesn't care about covering for bureaucrats or anything else. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, Bill, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you, <clears throat> you can find me on Twitter at Super Elite Texan. Good show. Perfect. Thank you. Clint, go ahead. <coughs> We'll debut a uh, a YouTube-like platform. Uh, Rory's involved in this, and that'll happen sometime uh, in early June. Uh, we did a pilot YouTube, which you can find the Clint Bellows show. I think is out there already. <clears throat> and uh, so we're going to be trying to do some pretty interesting things, to, speaking truth to power and not holding anything back. So probably ought to take mm-hmm. us about, I don't know, 90 seconds to get kicked off of YouTube. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook. And uh, delighted to be on the show, Rory. I think you do a, a fabulous what? job of uh, taking eight or nine people, and you're like Bill Maher times six. So, except you, you know what you're talking about. So, anyway, have a have a great evening, gentlemen. Clint, Clint, I wanted to get your thoughts though before you go about these taxes. What do you what do you think about this story that broke the other day? Go ahead. They couldn't even figure out my taxes uh, because I was a real estate developer uh, in my past life, and. Uh, uh, you know, they wouldn't believe I lost as much money as I did and uh, that it was legal. Uh, it certainly wasn't pleasant. And Donald Trump plays the game on an enormous scale. Um, every single property he has any interest in, he has set up either an LLC or some other kind of uh, foreign investment trust to own. Uh, the tax returns look like stacks of New York phone books on each one of these properties. It's like a probably a semi-trailer truck worth of tax, worth of paper uh, that it, we, we'd be talking about. So as someone said, uh, our, our tax specialist said a minute ago, they wouldn't know what to do with this stuff. They don't have a forensic accountant in the, I would imagine that could even, it would take years to figure it out, but they would take, right. they would pick and choose uh, what they were going to do. And, and uh, they're not going to give a broad view of the whole thing as a whole. It's say, generally speaking, Donald Trump's been a very honest man. They're going to look for every picky unish little law or uh, regulation or zoning or, you know, uh, exemption or whatever they're going to get on this guy. And that because that's that's all they do. Uh, Try to find the last argument they've made or the last policy decision they've supported other than, you know, these um, uh, cities that are free of. uh, of, 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 of law enforcement, sanctuary cities, and uh, letting everybody into the country and the borders. Other than that, what, are the, what do you know them for other than wanting to raise taxes? Absolutely nothing. Zilch. Right. No new ideas. Right. They're, they're dead, yeah. and they have been for a long time. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, Kevin, you're the last one. Go ahead, Kevin. Like a minute left. Oh, yes. Well, I just got to say this whole ordeal has been absolutely unprecedented, and it just shows how much they have uh, utter contempt for the Constitution and the will of the people. So uh, if the Founding Fathers saw everything that's been going on, it, uh, I couldn't even imagine what they would feel. And uh, it just goes to show when uh, states like California or Illinois are threatening to take Trump completely off the ballot while still saying that he was the uh, – election manipulation candidate from Russia. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous beyond measure. So uh, that's all I have to say about that. You can find me at uh, 
on Facebook, Nationalist United or nationalistunited.com. Stay conservative, my friends. All righty. We, we'll see you. We'll see you next week, Kevin. Thank you. I want to thank all my sponsors, my audience, my co-hosts and guests for a fantastic show tonight. You guys are all incredible. Uh, remember, we're listened to in 23 different countries and on nearly 70 online platforms. And everyone, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our media site, thenextnexgenusa.com. Again, that's thenextnexgenusa.com. And everyone, we will be having many notable people in the coming weeks starting to do their shows on our site, which I'm very excited to share with all of you. We have a lot planned. So everybody, uh, the stuff I did not get to tonight, I will get to on the next episode on Monday. There's a few things, like usually every episode that I forget, that I don't have time to get to. So uh, we will address that next week. Uh, I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm Rory Sodder. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. God bless everybody. Cheers. <laughs>